One surprise. One surprise. Shh. <clears throat> Woo. I'm back. Ladies and gentlemen, are you No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Uh, and tonight, we're back for uh, what I'm jokingly calling the Banaliday season. Um, I'll probably stop calling it that after like two episodes, because it's one of those jokes that starts out kind of clever uh, and then slowly gets annoying as you go along. So, But but tonight, it's the premiere of the Banaliday season. Uh, essentially... You know, as many folks out there listening to the show know, uh, we wrapped things up in April of, uh, what was it, 2018, and came back last year for the holidays uh, with Ruck's Giving, and then uh, I think like four or five shows after that, of course, the uh, big holiday special and the New Year's Bash. Uh, And I had so much fun doing that last year, and there were people I wanted to talk to this year, and so I said, you know, we'll, we'll just move the holiday season back to to Halloween, essentially. Um, even though I'm not, this is like blasphemous, but I'm not a big Halloween fan myself. But <laughs> um, that's why we never did a Halloween show. But I figured Halloween is it, it's kind of the tri the trifecta of holidays in a way. It's Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. So we'll move it back and we'll do some shows here, uh, you know, for the holiday season essentially. So I'm with you now till uh, till 2020. So get excited, folks. And tonight with us is my buddy Seth Breedlove. He's the man behind the, I want to call it monstrous, but it's redundant. It's the monstrous uh, a film series, Small Town Monsters. We last talked to him a couple of years ago after I had just met him at uh, Lauren Coleman's International Cryptozoology Conference. Uh, he had actually just won the Golden Yeti uh, just, just weeks earlier, so he was he was high on life. and. He, he had uh, a <laughs> that sounded that sounded nefarious about <laughs> um, but you, he man. was you know he was uh it was a it was a big day and everything and and I was really happy for him and and uh we got him on the show to talk about all this stuff uh his work and at the time looking at the layout here at the time he had just come out with invasion on chestnut ridge and they were working on the flatwoods monster film and since then, now it's been two years, uh, they've been prodigious, folks. They've put out a, a whole slew of movies, and we're going to be talking about those. We're going to be talking about the upcoming 
movies and just sort of talking about this crazy field in general, trying to smash the fourth wall a little bit like we like to do on the program. So with all that said, you're all tired of hearing from me already. Uh, welcome back to the show, Seth. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it, brother. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Sorry, I, I missed your call too. I was doing a, I was actually, I somehow managed to double book myself despite the fact I haven't done a podcast in in like two months. So that was fun. That's the weirdest thing. Jason Offit on Twitter tonight said that he double booked himself too. So I don't know, yeah. I don't know what's going on. Everyone, you guys are yeah. all living in this like modern day sitcom sitcom world. Are you going to be like, hold on, I have to run off to the bathroom and then like run over and go on the other podcast and be yeah. like, that's a very interesting yeah. question. No. Oh I mean, man. Was, so was, I told God. I told him when we got when we got on the other show, I told him about you know, I need to be off at this time, but the the show actually turned into a review. We were talking about the uh the Mothman prophecies, the the Mark Pellington movie and uh yeah. I I adore that movie, unlike a lot of people. So we, I, I ended up geeking out for a while about it, and I think I just ran ran too long. It's perfectly fine. It's <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. Don't even worry about it. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I was thinking about it uh, as I was like, because uh, we'll sort of really pull back the curtain a little bit for folks. Like I, I, I didn't, I didn't bother. I forgot how much like how many little details are involved in this process. So I'm like podcast rusty. So I realized like I didn't have any of the shit done essentially to tell people we were even doing a show until like late mm-hmm. last night. I'm like, Oh wait, I got to do all that. I got to tell people we're doing a show. Shit. I forgot about that part, you know? And then later on in the day, I'm like, Oh shit. I got to figure out how, <laughs> How we're gonna get? How we're gonna do this show? How is Seth gonna call Seth? Seth gonna call this? Uh, you know, and then like even leading up to this, Seth can kind of attest like, uh, just you know, I'm like, all right, we're gonna come back like around Halloween and everything, and then it was like, it gets closer and closer, and all of a sudden I'm like, shit, I gotta book guests if I'm gonna do that. I get, I get, I gotta actually <laughs> produce shows. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm a little rusty, but we've got some awesome stuff uh, in the pipeline, and we're kicking it off with you, which I'm really excited about because. You know, you've really, you've really made. This is like your full-time job now, right? This is like your career making these movies, right? Uh, yeah, actually, since since 2017. So the year, the year we actually talked and did the show would have been. We did, we did Mothman Profs or uh, the Mothman of Point Pleasant that that year, and and uh, we did the Invasion on Chestnut Ridge, and both of those were successful enough where we could kind of make this the full-time focus my wife does this too you know like in addition to being right, yeah. being a mom she's she sort of um keeps stm afloat and um manages the business end of things and gets to take charge of some of the the creative sides of of different projects too so yeah since since 2017 this has been all i do which is why we are able to put out you know essentially three productions a year. I mean, I think this year uh, with Momo, uh, Terran Skies, and On the Trail of Bigfoot, it's something like uh, six and a half, seven hours. It's like seven hours of content, you know, when, which when you're looking at the, you know, the, the video side of things is a pretty good chunk of chunk of time, especially with something like On the Trail of Bigfoot, where we traveled basically around the United States to to make that project. So, 
So yeah, this is this is all I do, and it's one of the reasons I'm slowly going crazy, or maybe not so slowly going crazy, because it's just you're you're buried in the paranormal from morning to night every yes. day. Yes, yes, thank you. That's kind of, in a way, in a roundabout way, that's kind of what I was getting at, like when I asked that question, where it's like, this is my full time, not but all of America, of course, uh, but but mm-hmm. work in the paranormal is my full time job, so it's like. Mm-hmm. Those of us who are who are in it, it's in that to, to that degree, it's like a very kind of small group of people, and kind of appreciate like, you know, you get up in the morning and like, you know, you, Bigfoot is my life. This is this is what you know. Yes. I depend on Bigfoot doing things for me to put food, put food on the table. You know, so if sure. I get up in the morning and Bigfoot hasn't done anything for a few days, it's like Bigfoot just show up somewhere, please. I'm asking yeah, you which... to pop out of the fucking woods in Kentucky or something. This is also like one of the few uh, communities slash fields where, because of that, you get a you get a bullseye put upon you by a lot of people who aren't doing it full time because they there's a weird I don't know if you've witnessed this or not but I, I was just thinking about this today this is like the only I guess I hate to say this because I feel like it demeans a lot of people but fandom. You know, like in, in a way, like really, like the paranormal world, the you know people that are into this stuff, it's a it's a fandom in a way, and um, right, yeah. a, a lot of those people are are very suspicious of anyone who's making a living at it, simply because they're right. making a living at it. So you get a you get a bullseye put on you because people think that the fact that you're somehow this is what you do full time that that means automatically that you're like a snake oil salesman. And I know yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm aware that those exist in this world, but um, but I also you know like there, we've we've been doing this completely independently now for for five years, and and no matter what the future brings for STM, there will always be an independent you know uh, component to what we're doing. Um, and I, I can I can essentially guarantee that as long as we're making you know uh, paranormal content that that there will be an independent side to small town monsters. You can read into that however you like, but I'll always maintain that. So um, you know, like we're we're aware of. I mean, I got into this to to tell these stories in a specific way, and and that way is you know, basically to, to do it as sort of, uh, truthfully and honestly and, and, um, artfully, I guess, if, if that's a word that I can use, um, as we can. So that's where, that's where we are right now. And, uh, it's been, it's been interesting to see the, the weird sort of pushback against that in some circle. Yeah. I know, I know what you mean in the sense where it's like, there's this, it's in some in some circles. I'm not saying like everybody. In some circles it goes beyond fandom, where it's like um, there's this weird sort of like I'll call it a misconception in a sense, where it's like you're a tr- like this whole idea of like being a truth seeker. You're a truth seeker. You yes. shouldn't be trying to. You're a truth seeker. You just do shit for free. You should just do everything for free. It's like. Dude, you have a job. Like, you know, I'm saying this to the other person, like to the critics. You have a job, yes. man. Like, yeah. I, we, what do you want me to do? So, yeah. you know, that's the that's the funny part. It's like they expect everybody else to work for it, free. If you had, I guess, like the question I would ask you is, if you had, like, as a kid, 
or even as an adult, this isn't, um, this probably isn't the job you would have picked, right? Like it kind of picked you. Am I wrong in, in saying that? No, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. No, I wanted to, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, you know, I don't so know what I, I wanted to do really, but. I, I guess the point I'm getting at is like, if, if, if this is where life puts you, you know, like, what are you going to do about it? It's, it's what I do one thing good. Like there, there's only one thing that I do, and I don't even know that I do it good. I, you know, I do it well. Um, or, or, or maybe I'm too. Like I've always said, I'm too stupid to fail. So like you just keep, <laughs> you know, like idiotically smashing your head against a wall until the wall falls apart. Like that's, that's me. Um, so like right, where, right. where, where we are is is we are, we are where we are because this is where we've, you know, the, the path has taken us to this point where we're able to, to make movies about the paranormal and we have an audience that supports it with it, which is awesome. And we're able to do it, uh, full time. And I can tell you too, like just, and I'm pretty sure this is probably the same for you. Like I've never worked this hard in my life at anything, you know, like my, my real, my real jobs, um, my quote unquote real jobs before becoming a filmmaker were, you know, like I did medical billing, I tiled floors, I was a landscaper and I still never worked anywhere, anywhere near as hard as I do making movies uh, about the paranormal. So, and that's not a complaint. That is, that is uh that, that is a statement about how much I love what I do more than anything, because I'm not, I would not say I'm, I'm like the type of person that was born with an innate, sense of uh like like an innate work ethic that's not me at all um this is just something where i love doing it so i work really hard at it because i want to yeah. get better at it i don't know where i'm going there with you go. this either i feel like i'm just it's all right dude this is like this is classic banal of america i love it um because we just threw the playbook <laughs> out the window uh what's yeah. interesting to me yeah i i think i've seen enough of your social media posts that I think I can safely say uh, that you and I are kind of in the same boat in a sense. We both also, we really appreciate how fucking lucky we are to, 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 to be able to do this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, so I, I think, I think, I hope folks can appreciate that. Like we know, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. we know how crazy it have, is and how did you have wild it is. Those moments? Did you have one of those moments in Nashville? Like, do you find that you have moments it it really will like smack you in the face during the middle of one of those like experiences that you wouldn't be having otherwise. Like, is that typically when it hits you the hardest or is it just like, yeah, you, you always are aware of it. Well, I'm yeah. kind of generally always aware of it, but then there are moments like, I think like I was writing up a story like about demon dogs or something for, for the coast site. <laughs> and I was like trying to yeah. come up with like, a tight, you know, I'm kind of trying to come up with like a title or something, and I'm up, I'm up in the kitchen making coffee, and I'm just sort of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like scatting, you know, like, like just like riffing, you know, demon dog dives down, and just kind of, like, kind of sort of caught myself where I'm like, what am I? This is my life. This is my, <laughs> this yeah. is my life right now. I'm desperately trying to come up with a title for this demon dog story. I'm like, this is, yeah. this is both bizarre and fucking awesome. Like holy shit! This is the this you're walking. What, with, what, you're what walking a world! The, uh, what a world I live in. It's it's the it's the path that or it's the trail that that keel blazed. Like for me, I I have I usually have one moment per production, 
uh, you know, like earlier this year, we were filming in Adams County, Ohio. And I don't know why this happened at this particular moment, but it was pouring rain and we were up on a hill in the middle of nowhere in Adams County, Ohio. And it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. We were all soaking wet. It was cold. Um, but we had just finished shooting interviews with uh, these these Bigfoot hunters. And I had a weird moment where I was like, man, you know, like at, uh, at this time, it was a, I think it was like a Thursday afternoon. And I was thinking at this time, three years ago, I would have been sitting in a cubicle, um, stare, staring at a computer screen, hating, you know, hating what I was doing, hate, you know, hating every minute of it. And I had like, right. one of, I had one of those moments or there's this trip, like we just got back from this crazy on the trail of UFOs shoot where we were. We did. We traveled through like seven states in in six days. Essentially, we were in like a new Airbnb every night, um, and we we did we shot uh, twelve interviews. You know, we really, if you count the southern por- portion of that trip, we did twelve days um, that begin in Orlando, Florida, and ended in New Hampshire. So. I had I probably every single day I had a moment where I was like, well, I can't I can't believe I get to do this, you know, and the people and that people actually don't see all the idiotic mistakes I'm making and that they support <laughs> that they support what we do. I mean, a lot of people do see the mistakes, but thankfully like the the core audience still sort of loves what we're doing and supports it. There you go. Yeah, no. I mean, you guys uh you know, this thing's become amazingly hugely popular. Um, you know, I can kind of see it starting like you said when you when we first talked a couple of years ago, like that Mothman uh, movie, it had like really taken, you know, captured the imagination of the of the whole community. It seems, and then it was like, all right, this guy's onto something here. This is going to be, you know, so and and it's happened. Now you have all this other stuff going on. Now, I hate to be that guy, but if uh, I'm going to have to ask because you kind of like suggested this, and you're going to have to give like a mm-hmm. diplomatic answer now because you said this shit about. <laughs> being independent and I've seen you joke yeah. around on uh Twitter about like talking to people <laughs> in Hollywood and shit so like you know and that's kind of I mean let's be honest that's sort of like that's the aspiration of anybody who produces this kind of stuff I guess right is like uh is to keep it's getting not, bigger and bigger dude. so it's it's you're not I necessarily can, like can... getting bad with Hollywood but you know what I mean like Bigger yeah, no, I, so what? 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 So is there something going on uh, that you can't tell us <laughs> that you I mean, won't tell us about yet? Funny. Or, or? So I've I've been I've been I've talked about it um, on shows, and just because this has been all of America, and and I haven't been told not to talk about it, I can I'll talk about it. But we so like last year, um, and I've been open about this part of it, so I think a lot of people know. But last year, I was contacted by um, Adam Wingard, who's he directed the the Blair Witch um, Project uh, sequel a couple of years ago. He made that movie You're Next, and he's directing Godzilla vs. Kong for Legendary and Warner Brothers. Um, oh, he wow. contacted us uh, two years ago, actually, around the time Invasion on Chestnut Ridge came out. And he was like, hey, man, I'm a big fan of your work, and uh, you know, I, I want to talk about collaborating, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, at that time, we were we were blown away because we're you know, we're making movies for like five thousand um, dollars. Right. We had we had no idea, no idea what we were doing, and uh, you know, some time passed, and we continued talking, and eventually Adam flew me out to 
LA and I, I stayed at his house and we had meetings about, you know, like creating a small town monster show. And then, um, you know, and then like a, a, a long period of time passed and, um, nothing really happened with it. And, and then, uh, recently within the last month, um, some, uh, a, 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 this gets super complicated if I try to explain it also, but a, a producer, a film producer, um, contacted me about optioning the rights to one of our movies. And, um, she, she was interested like in optioning the Yeah. To make like a fictional movie out of one of our movies. So, um, I had, yeah. I had a conversation with her, um, you know, I, I I told her I was willing to to do that if she was interested in that. So she optioned the rights to one of our movies. Somehow I managed to flip that into her representing us. Um, she's a former agent slash manager, so she's repping us now. Because what happened was around the same time we started getting contacted by other like television development people and um, yeah. and distribution companies and all that kind of stuff. And I'm really bad about dealing with that stuff if anyone that works in small town monsters will tell you in the last three years we have turned down a minimum and i'm i'm not exaggerating a minimum of 10 tv shows that could have happened oh, wow. with our name on them um but we've had we we've probably ignored tw- how many calls my wife's sitting here like 20 calls we've probably ignored 20 calls from from development people we, we're getting yeah. development calls and emails like once a month and this is over the course of the last three years so so we've had the 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 chance to like quote unquote sell out and go hollywood and um we're we're just not interested in it so like what we've been doing is we got this manager involved so she can rep us and make sure that we are being taken advantage of so what i can tell you is right now there's um there are agreements being looked at and talked over between uh, a couple different places regarding a small town monster show, but um, having said that, it's all in service of the independent side of things. So there's no deal right, that right. would go into into place for an STM show without us being able to um, not only maintain what we're already doing, but to be able to promote the independent side of it with with whatever we end up doing, if we end up doing anything. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if tomorrow every single ag- agreement we're looking at falls apart. So right. we're, there, there's, th- there's things that could happen which could be, um, you know, which would be I, – I, I hate to say, like, monumental because to me, like, what we're already doing is is a – bigger deal to me than than anything we would hook up at like a network um right right yeah i don't know why that is i just think it's such a it's such a cool thing to be able to to create things with the guys i grew up with you know what i mean and not not have someone breathing down my neck about what we're doing so so we've never been looking to 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 make something like a network show the the full focus if we get some sort of either network show or a deal in place um, it would solely be to to sort of further what we can do independently. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, I was going to say it's an interesting landscape right now because there's so many. <clears throat> like, it's not like they're knocking down my door to do a TV show, but it's like I certainly would think twice about really even sort of like just wanting to be in that in that wasteland of 
of yes. uh, cable TV paranormal shows. It's like what you're oh, doing travel and like what the hell your guys are doing. Alone. What's that? Yeah. I said Travel Channel. Travel Channel alone has like a new show launching every week, you know. So, right. It's and it's and it's all the same. It's all the same stuff over and over again. It's yeah. That's the other part. It's so. It's just so cookie cutter, you know. I mean, I I even given all the hype and everything, I thought maybe they'd do something different, like with that TTSA show uh, with with Tom DeLonge involved and shit. And even that one was like. A buy the book UFO hunter show. It's like Jesus, dude. Can anyone do anything differently? You know. I like so it's that very, show, honestly. I mean, I thought it was really well done. Like, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, but it was kind of like I just felt kind of there was a sameness to it. You know. Sure. I guess because the mystery sure. stays the same. You know what I mean? They're all sure. they all kind of have to grapple with the idea that like we're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna you're gonna watch this whole show and you're not gonna ever find out. Uh, like what it is or something, you know, and it's like, yeah, I've been doing that for a decade plus, dude, 15 years now. I don't want to I don't want to do that in my spare time, be taunted by this mystery even further. But yeah. it's uh, but I think I have a theory in a sense that the that there's like a there's like a television brain drain where mm-hmm. like all the all the creators and shit are now on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and everything like all the yeah uh, certainly all the big time creators like that uh you know they all got snatched up like you know the lady Shonda Rhimes from who made all those ABC shows so now she just makes them for Netflix and shit so um so my theory That's i guess where is we're that like kind of looking. That would be great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, 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 it's all right. Yeah, I mean, the streaming thing seems like I said that would set you apart. That would like set anyone apart from sort of this, this uh, paranormal show of the week that there's just so many of them, you know. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure there are some good ones out there, but it's like, how can you even? I'd like to see someone like you said about how there's one like every new one all the time. It's like I'd like to see a list of all the ones that are just on right now. I bet you it's like at least a dozen, at least. Sure. So yeah, it's a, you it's get a, lost. It's a constant, and they're all the the pitches. The pitches that we get. One of the reasons, like we've we've turned down so many of these things, or not even bothered taking meetings, is they're all they they're it's the same pitch, you know, over and just over. Just the Megan Fox thing again. Um, no, no, <laughs> that was that was five years ago, man. That was five years oh, wow. ago that 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 pitch happened. That was all the way back when we were doing. Minerva Monster. I mean, that should tell you something. Like we're we're five years in. I I couldn't even since since we began. I I I I honestly would love to know how many um, calls we've had. I've I've done Skype interviews for like probably a dozen different travel channel shows. You know, like all that kind of stuff. And and it's all like it's all the same. It's all the same stuff for us. It's always been about. If if any of that stuff comes into you know comes to happen, can it um, either promote or help our our existing independent you know series? And um, and so far I just haven't seen it. I was supposed to be on. We had a call back in um, August, and I was supposed to be on some Travel Channel. Spinoff. Apparently, there's going to be like a spinoff of uh, the Josh Gates show, whatever that is. Um, where yeah. They where they invest where they investigate, you know, like uh, 
paranormal mysteries and stuff. And they, they, they had asked me to be on, on one of those shows. And, and it was like, it was, it was going to happen. And I ended up giving them uh, another investigator's contact info to be, to be on the show. It's just television has never, has never been the end game for us. I think the, honestly, as weird as it might seem, I think the end game for us is that we're all, you know, the whole crew, everyone that's been involved in STM is able to do this um, together and to do it, you know, for a living. And that's really it. Like we're not interested in, in being, you know, rich and, and Hollywood famous or any of that stuff. It's never been, it's never been part of the plan for me. I'm pretty happy as a, as a a middle-aged dad living in Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, the other part is sort of like that, I've mentioned this on the show before. It's like anyone who's sort of in this to become famous is like it, it's this crazy. Like, why? Why would you? I always call it like for especially people in the UFO field. I call them like they want to be UFO famous. It's like why the fuck do you want yeah. to be UFO famous? Like you don't get any of the per- of the perks of being actually famous, but mm-hmm. all of the downside side of being really well known to to a large group of like people that. There are some bad, some bad apples in that mix. So you get the downside of, of celebrity without any, you know, with, with very few of the perks the, aside from like you know the, uh, the cult of it's the cult of celebrity and it's um, yeah it's especially bad right now because of the the number of of shows that are launching and the interest the network interest in the paranormal um, is really yeah. driving I think a lot of people to um to want to be uh, on like travel channel and have a show and all that stuff and i yeah. get it like i i get the people that are doing it because they they love being involved in this and they want to they want to be able to make a living at it and i'm not i guess i'm not fault i'm not i'm not even faulting those people like i totally get it it's the people that it's the people that become something they're not to to get there they that kind of crawl under my skin you know like yeah, but what business is it of mine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. What are we, what are we gonna do? Yeah, but that was yeah. To connect back to the point about the brain drains, I think that's why there's all these paranormal shows all of a sudden because they need content because all the streaming services are taking all the all the premier content, let's say. So now you need they got to fill it with something. So they're like they kind of go back to the paranormal thing. That's why you see all this pro wrestling on TV now. So it's like there's only. Oh, yeah. They got to go back to the staples because uh, everyone's fled to Netflix and everything. So yeah, but. they're trying to compete. It's a it's a it's a weird um, it's a weird field to to be in too because I feel like you go to to some of these bigger cons. Uh, the the bigger cons are like really driven by um, this this like sense of celebrity. You know, like it might not even be people that are on TV right now or people that have been on TV in the last like five years, but it's people that have been on TV at some point trying to sort of, you know, cling, cling to any <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I know what you mean. Any, any sense of like fame that still exists. And that's a, it's a strange, like it, it, rem- it does kind of remind you of like a, a comic con, you know, with like the, the the guys who are on the 
movies, you know, in, in some B movie like 50 years ago, charging $10 for, for autographs or whatever. It's, yeah. it's really the whole field's awash in that right now. And I guess it's funny because we started the show out talking about, you know, like almost mocking the idea of truth seekers. And yet we're, we're sort of tr- echoing what they typically say, but there's, I mean, I think that dichotomy, like, you're pulled in so many different directions in this field that like once you're in it for any length of time, you form your own ideas about every, every single aspect of it. And if you start talking, if you just start talking with someone like you, uh, and this is what I always loved about your show. Like if you just start talking about this stuff with someone like you, you're just going to start rambling about everything that you've secretly been thinking for the last like five years. (laughs) That's the case with me. That's kind of the secret of banal America, pretty much. I just let uh, I just let us go, and we'll see we'll see where it takes us. But yeah, it's it, you're right. It is a strange dichotomy. It's just a strange, it's just a whole strange world in general. Uh, you know, it's befitting that it's 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 filled with weird creatures and aliens and everything else because <laughs> the people mm-hmm. involved are equally strange as the mysteries, in a sense. You know, so yeah. But they're our audience, man. We love them so. You know, I'm never, yeah. never, this is like, I'm not, I'm not shitting on anyone in particular, but I'll, I'll, this kind of just came to me. I think you'll appreciate this. It, it it does never cease to amaze me. This is like a credit to the human race. I don't know. Um, that like, I have talked to people, legitimate people, like who believe some of the craziest shit, like, and they you know, up and down the board from conspiracy theories to alien stuff, like all kinds of stuff. And like, to me, that, cause that, those kind of conversations are usually like the ones you kind of keep in your, in your pocket, like for your, mm-hmm. for when you're really old and look back on these things, you like talk to someone and they're just so passionate about how, like they've been abducted by a fucking alien, like 10 times, you know, and they know this, they know it. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Like, these are real people, you know? Mm-hmm. And whether or not they got abducted by an alien or not, that's almost beside the point. It's like they believe they were abducted by an alien. It's like this is your – this is the girl bagging your groceries or this is like your bank teller or, yeah. or you, you know, your insurance salesman or something. They have day jobs. They're, they're, they're everyday people, and they like – They'll be like, you yeah, know, you, uh, there's reptilians who run the fucking government. <laughs> what the fuck? Holy what, shit. What you, just said, what you just said about, like, putting it in your back pocket, like, you just described small-town monsters because, like, the, the, the uh, there's a line in Terror in the Skies that, um, that Tobias Whalen says, and I've been echoing it since the movie came out, but he says the – he says the factual reality of any of this stuff is like it's it's irrelevant. Like the factual reality of any of it, it's it's irrelevant when it comes to what we are doing. Um, we we're essentially simply putting people's stories in a in a pocket, as you put it. You know that uh, that yeah. everyone can sort of dig into whenever they whenever they feel like it and, and relive those stories, you know, for as long as our movies are around and that's all we're doing, you know, like we're not, we're not really, um, I don't have the capability. I'm not a detective, you know, I don't, I don't consider myself the capability to be able to, to dig into a lot of this stuff and, and 
and uh, ascertain the truth or the, uh, the reality of it. And honestly, try doing that. Like to anyone that complains that our movies don't spend enough time, you know, like really digging into these cases to get to the bottom. Of like try digging into any one of these cases to find out what – like try digging into Roswell to figure out what actually happened. And then you can tell me right, right. You know, and we, this didn't, is like... we didn't spend enough time on it. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And this is like no disrespect to you. It's like and, – and some of these cases have been – People have done that for like 20 years. Oh, yeah. So it's like, yeah. they, you know, they didn't solve the fucking case. So why should, you know, you can maybe give a nod to something, but it's like, why present all that? You know, it's it's as inconclusive as the search for the answer for the paranormal end of the search for the answer. Yeah, we're 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 simply documenting the case in in whatever way we can. You know, like in that. That whatever – it started out – Small Town Monster started out one way. I mean it started out with Minerva Monster, and the idea was going to be that we were going to make you know, documentaries that sort of eschewed all, the, all the, the recreations and all that kind of stuff. And it's morphed into something completely different you know, where we're making Momo, which is 50%, literally 50% of the movie is a quote-unquote recreation of, of the original events. And um, – but you know, like we, the the biggest thing has always been that we're documenting these cases in some way and saying something beyond just um, you know, like especially with something like Momo, we're we're doing more than just telling retelling a case. You know, like that that movie Momo is as much about storytelling and and how how actual reality, you know, like actual real events can morph. In the retelling, especially when it comes to the the film, you know, the cinema medium, um, than than it is, and it's it's a it's it's been interesting. I think my the the thing I'll probably look back on someday and and find the most interesting is how the evolution of small town monsters went. You know, like from from one yeah. end of the spectrum to to where it is now with with making movies like Momo and and even Terror in the Skies and. Um, and and at the same time, like we've all these movies have been really exploring that uh, storytelling. Like the the theme of storytelling has been yeah the, at the at the heart of every single one of these movies. Yeah, because at the at the core of it, these are just great stories. You know, these are like and yeah. they need to be told in a sense. You know, and I kind of feel your pain yeah. in the way where it's like I run into that with what I do, where it's like I'll find a crazy story and I'll be like, ah, uh, you know, this is. This is kind of flimsy at best, but someone has to tell this story. <laughs> like, you know, sure. it's I'm I, it's my yeah. job to document these crazy ghost videos that appear online. So here's here's another one, yeah. folks. Like, make of it what you will. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, well, I feel like everybody's probably asked you this question, so I, I apologize if it's been asked. Um, but I guess. You, you raised sort of an interesting point. I was wondering about tonight as I was getting ready for the show, and that's. As you said, this new movie is it has recreations in it. It's interspliced uh, uh, like fifty percent, I think you said. So I guess what yeah. made you decide to do that? What made you decide to do it that way? And like, what did you take anything away, sort of, from being a different kind of director? You know what I mean? Because oh yeah, like now Definitely. you're sort of tasked with with like directing acting. Whereas before you were really creating documentary films, I mean it's, that's quite a that's quite a difference in 
the whole role of the job in a way. Sure, and it's and it's the the movie is um, the movie's a commentary on that too, which is really interesting. Like it's it's commentating on what I'm doing while I'm doing it, which it's a really meta movie. There's there's lines in the movie that as an objective storyteller I don't agree with but that that are sort of like at the heart of the movie. There's some lines at the end that Lyle's talking about where he's talking about like how uh the the truth of these events doesn't really matter. It's just that they're they're being retold. I don't that's not a line that I agree with. But but it is a line that that a lot of people hold and that's something that they believe. So um yeah, no the the I mean the the fact is the way that the movie is told the way the story is told is it's told that way because of the fact that, um, well, it's two, it's twofold. I can't, the easiest way to put it is it's told the way it's told because there, there were not any, uh, original witnesses willing to sort of come forward and tell their story. Right. Like at the end of the day, that's, that's what we're left with is we didn't, we didn't have the Harrison family really willing to, um, talk, and that's not to say that I didn't try. Um, we spent, you know, months uh, calling them, trying to converse with them, Facebook messaging. I've talked to grandkids. Um, we we went to Doris's door while we were in town making the movie and asked her, which I've never done before, by the way. I've never just shown up at someone's house and asked them to be in a movie. But I mean, we had been trying to get a hold of them, and I really was like desperate to try and get them in the movie because I want them to have their own voice in that story because it's their story. Um, but they, you know, they were completely unwilling. And at the same time, um, the story we told is the story I would want to tell if I'm telling this, this movie, you know, like this, if I'm making yeah. this movie, this is, this is the way I want to make it. And, um, I had it's not the way every small town monsters movie is going to be made. There seems to be some confusion when it comes to us. Like everyone acts like every STM movie has sort of been the same or told in the same way and they haven't. Like if you look at at the way we make movies, some of them are much more uh sort of entrenched in recreations and being spooky than others. You know, like others are Karen Skies is is really set on the same path as something like Boggy Creek Monster, where it's it's a very traditional documentary. Um, but whereas something like Bray Road Beast is much more stylized, and it's sort of relying on, you know, your your fears and and your fear of the occult and Satanism and all this kind of stuff. And um, and so like we've we've never we've always made a conscious effort to tell. Uh, to to make every movie feel distinctly its its own, so we don't want them to stylistically sort of rely on what came before or anything like that. So, so when it came to Momo, um, what you're seeing is a movie that is about making movies. Like that that is really what it comes down to, and um, it's also about how you know the the medium of film itself will change a real event. And it's there. There's like a billion. There, there's so many different themes at play in that movie. Um, it's hard for me to, you know, like nail down everything that's that's in there. But I mean, I think it's. Yeah. I think it's a really emotional movie. I think there's a lot uh, at play, and I think it's really fun. I think it's the by far 
if it's probably the most fun you'll ever have with any paranormal documentary, if you're into it, like if you can, if you sink your teeth into like 70s cinema and you love like the 70s movies and 70s documentaries and 70, you know, like the mysterious monsters and that kind of stuff. If you can get into that kind of stuff, this is the movie for you. Like it's the most fun you'll ever have with a paranormal doc. But, um, Obviously, I also understand that's not going to be for everybody. Um, but yeah, and, and then to get to get to the other part of your question, like I, as a director, I was wearing two hats the entire movie, which is kind of weird. It it was it was especially weird because the the movie itself is placing a heightened, um, stylized, over the top version of what actually happened up against yeah. the word of people who were actually there and lived the events and know what actually happened. So you're seeing, you know, like it's interesting because people, people might not know this or, you know, like there's some confusion, but the, the events that are shown in Momo, the, 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 the um, seventies, you know, unreleased quote unquote unreleased movie that we made um, those events all happened with a, a couple of exceptions and in, in most of the cases, it's just slightly heightened, you know, or we change minute yeah. details here and there. And then the, the record is set straight through the interviews. That's what we do. And um, so in doing that, we're, we're commenting on, you know, the very nature of storytelling. And um, so, so in the making of the movie, I was the guy that was directing scenes that were ridiculous and over the top. And then I was the guy that was behind the camera um, asking questions of the people who were actually there to witness the real events, which was surreal, you know, (laughs) at all, at all times it was surreal, but I've never learned as much um, on an STM shoot. I've never learned as much as I did while I was making Momo. We made the entire movie over the course of three weeks. Um, We shot, and that includes the documentary. We shot the entire like the entire production start to finish. We shot the whole thing in three weeks, and um, and so yeah, every day it was a I was learning something new because you would you know like we we shot the posse sequence with with Bobo and Cliff on a Sunday night. Um, filming began at seven p.m. and wrapped around five uh, thirty a.m. We shot uh, until until 5:30 a.m. on a Monday, and on on Wednesday we got in a van and we drove to Louisiana, Missouri, and we were on the actual Marsolf Hill. So that's a that is a really freaking weird experience to go from making a a movie, you know, it be, it, being on a fictional Marsolf Hill to the real Marsolf Hill in two and a half days. You know, like it was yeah. a it was a every day was a new it was some weird new aspect of, of making a movie that I'd, I'd never experienced before. Cause I'd never made a, a, a narrative. I'd only ever made right. documentaries and this is somewhere in between. Like this is both the, the best of both worlds. So I don't know. Did you, did you see the movie, Tim? I can't even remember. I haven't seen it yet. I'm an asshole. Okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, oh, I forget. It just came out recently though. Right. Yeah, it came out uh, September 20th. All right, it's like a month ago. I'm an asshole. I apologize. Yeah. No, it's cool. I, I just didn't. I didn't know <laughs> if I could. If I could, I didn't know if I could ask you your opinion of it or not. So. No, but I'll watch it. Uh, how, that was 
you know, it's funny because I was going to ask this question. This is a, a even better segue. But how can people see this movie? So what's the? How can they go and see it? Um, it's on Amazon and Vimeo on demand, and it should be uploaded to Viddy Space uh, fairly soon. So it's on. It's on all three of those outlets. Amazon's like the big outlet for us, right? Like that's yeah. where we 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 put the bulk of our movies, um, or all of our movies are found on there. Um, so yeah, those are, those are the three big places we're working on. One of the things we're working on, like one of the agreements being put into place is, uh, is with a distribution company to get a wider release for all of our films, um, past catalog and going forward. Um, so, so we are working on that and that is something like we've always been, we've always been aware of that side of things like the network deals and all that stuff i mean it it that would be awesome but the the actual distribution of what exists is kind of a it that that is a big deal to us because that makes things it makes our easier to, content actually yeah. yeah easier easier to find for people you know like we we have a i mean it's a crazy thing with sdm like we we have we don't have the actual numbers on what our audience base is um, because of the fact that three of our films are distributed through a distributor who who we haven't been able to get like actual um, statistics from, but like Jeez. at a minimum we're we're aware that our our movies have been viewed by north of eight million people on streaming. Like that's that's a, a fact. Just for so, the numbers, yeah. Like yeah. It, it, it's a crazy thing. Like we we were talking to a television exec, like someone at a at a at one of these companies and he asked um you know about statistics and I was telling him like on the trail of Bigfoot had been viewed by 3 million people in about uh 12 weeks and he said that's better than our best ranked paranormal show and that's a that's a on the trail of Bigfoot cost me $5000 to make um I shot the entire thing myself and it was it was made. I mean, it was made on a complete shoestring budget. You know, like so. Yeah. That's a that's a complete rabbit trail I'm going off on. But there it is. No, no, no. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, it. it this is no excuse, but part of me thinks like uh, I, I don't. I just generally just once I kind of like cut off that whole branch of entertainment, I have a hard time picking it up again, even like for the individual things. And personally, like uh, just my making excuses for <laughs> for not having seen the movie. No, and I'm, the other part I'm is totally with you. I, I feel like this is super meta in a sense, but it's like uh, um, I used to take a lot of pride, and I still – I'm sure this will come up in future shows with other guests where I, like, kind of have to read the book. But it's like I used to take a lot of pride in these really, like, nuanced sort of, like, nuggety questions where it's like – you know, where I'm like, at 47 minutes into the movie, there's a scene where Cliff Barackman <laughs> says, da 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 da. It's like, what do you mean by it? It's like, I feel like, <laughs> like, like, I guess people who have seen the movie appreciate it, but the other half is like, people who are like, what the hell is this guy talking about? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's sort of like, it, you have to be ignorant for the broad audience or something. I don't know. But. Right. Um, I, I will see the movie, and I know of it and what you did and everything and how it was made, and that's what uh, really mm-hmm. interests me in a sense. Um, and now I'm going to check it out because I'm intrigued by how spot. you weave these two things together because it's like I can't think of too many – I can't – again, I'm ignorant to the paranormal 
media scene in the sense, film and video and everything, but it seems fairly unique, if not wholly unique, um, approach to no, telling I mean, the, the story. One, the, the one thing that was coming up in every review, regardless of it was a positive review or, or a negative, was that this was a a completely new way to tell a story. Um, and and right. we knew that in, in the writing of the script. Um, the first phone call I got from from Lyle was he uh, the first words out of his mouth after he read the script was like I don't know how you're gonna pull this crazy crap off um, <laughs> and he didn't he didn't use the word crazy crap but um, yeah he he just like he couldn't he couldn't he loved it he loved it and he was he was interested to see what we did with it but he didn't know how it would flow together it, it was. It was fitting because, like, when he finally responded, when he when he watched the movie after it was edited, he was like, his, he loved it. Like he told me he loved it yeah. from from the first time I talked to him. So, like, if here's the 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 real inside baseball thing about Momo is like Adrian and Tommy and I we go for these walks around our neighborhood. Tommy's our son, Adrian's my my wife. Yeah, um, we go the breed love family these walks. Yeah, the Breedlove family. We go for these Breedlove family walks uh, around our our neighborhood uh, pretty much every single night, you know, during the summer especially. And most of our walks this summer were spent with my my poor long suffering wife listening to me blab about Momo for like two hours while we <laughs> walked around. And the thing, but the thing we both talked about um, were the most was that we we didn't. Care like obviously you care if if it's successful from a financial standpoint because it's a it's a product and we you know like we need it to be yes. but in this case it was it was as much about the fact that we really hoped an audience found it just because it was a new way of telling a story and and I'm a first and foremost beyond being into the paranormal and cryptozoology and all this stuff first and foremost I'm a film buff. I'm a, I'm a fan yeah. of film, and and probably more so than than cryptozoology and the paranormal and all this stuff. Like I love movies, and I, I, movies are my best friend. As nerdy as that sounds, going back to to the time I was a kid, and yeah. and uh, and as someone who is obsessed with film and obsessed with movies, I was genuinely excited about the fact that we had found a different way of telling a story, a new way of telling a story. And it was essentially we're, we're stealing a device from Rashomon, right? Like retelling a story in a different way from the, from different perspectives, the same event from different perspectives is, is essentially yeah. what we're doing. But, but the device in which we're doing it is something I've never seen before. So that in itself was exciting for us. Like we, we've made, this was our uh, let me. This is our ninth movie, right? Momo. It's our eleventh yeah. production, wow. but it's the ninth movie we've made. And every every movie up to this point was a documentary, and it was a pretty straightforward way of telling a documentary. And like I said earlier, like we try to bring different style and you know, like all the all the you know nuances of how we make a movie is is different from production to production. But with this one, it wasn't just that. It was like we were genuinely geeking out over how the story was told and how it was weaved together. And then we were just excited too about like the work that everyone had put into it. Like this was one of those things yeah. that um, 
even today, like I can get emotional watching this movie because of how much work everyone put into into making it. Even like like Cliff got horribly sick. Uh, oh really? <laughs> Make, making the posse sequence, yeah, because like he showed up and so so we filmed that posse sequence on a May evening, uh, and like I said, his, his we started shooting at seven p.m. and ended at five thirty. His sequence, I think his sequence wrapped at like one, so he was out of the woods by like one a.m. But but he was out there in a t-shirt all night or or a short sleeve shirt, and he got yeah he got really sick. Um, Damn, filming his his scene because he was out in the cold. I mean it was like. I think it got down to like 38 that night and most of the people oh, were out shit. there in t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. And, and so like I watch it and I get emotional because like the amount of, of work and effort that people put into something that people will either watch once and forget or what, you know, like, or write off entirely or whatever. Like they just, it's weird. It, it I think that is the thing about SDM that the, the longer this goes on, the more people that, in, that get involved, um, like the more, uh, like, I don't know what the word is. Um, thankful, I guess, is a well, word, but uh, like, that's not really it, what I mean. Yeah, but, like, I think I kind of know what you're saying. You kind of like building a universe in a way. Where yeah, it's like, like seeing all these, all these people get involved and wanting to be involved and like willing to give so much time and work and effort into being a part of it. Like that's pretty. It's a, it's a pretty crazy thing to watch someone like Bobo, you know, like who didn't. Neither Cliff or Bobo, or really anyone in the movie, had to devote any time to being in it. But they were all so excited about it. That posse sequence w- was especially, like, being a part of that was was really probably the most one of the most rewarding moments I've ever had as a filmmaker on an STM movie because you had a group of about thirty guys in in really cold temperatures running around and like everyone was doing something, you know, like they all wanted to be a part of, they're all carrying lighting and, and all this crazy stuff, you know, like just, just to help get this one sequence filmed, you know, that's it ended yeah. up being in the movie for like two minutes. And um, so, yeah, that, I don't know where I was going with any of that, but it's, uh, I don't remember, but we, cool. yeah, we were kind of talking about the fictional elements tied into the, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the still of the policy. So you also had to like round up, extras and shit, right? That's a whole nother, you know, so, yeah, there's all kinds yeah. of stuff half, like people don't realize. There's all these little things you got to do. Half the extras were, um, I think I actually put a call out on Facebook. So half half the people were like people I'm friends with. Um, some of my family was there. My father-in-law and brother-in-law have speaking lines in the movie. Uh, <laughs> nice. And then, and then, um, you know, like my brother-in-law was there, and, and then, and then, honestly, like seventy percent of the posse was filled out uh, with our sound recordist, Jason Mutis's friends. Like he he put a post up on Facebook, and like fifteen of his buddies w- were willing to come out. And like I said, they they were so we we actually we had everyone sit in this pavilion at the beginning of the night. We were like, look, we're you know, halfway through the sequence, the posse splits up. We need, uh, uh, we need about five or six guys willing to stay late into the night who are willing to be a part of the second posse. And when I say late into the night, you might be here until like tomorrow morning. And, um, and we had, so we had those, we had like six guys willing to be in the scene. And that doesn't include the, uh, you know, the crew that were there making the entire sequence happen. But we, 
I mean, like you asked about learning, you know, like learning as a director. I mean, like that sequence is one of those things that only a first time narrative film director would have done. Like I shot the entire scene beginning to end chronologically. Like I never should have done that. We should have honestly we right, should have right. shot the whole scene, you know, like day for night. And instead we, we start in one place and then we end in another. And when you watch the movie, that was like the order we shot the entire sequence in. So we had these guys, you know, like out in the middle of the woods, like, like literally out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the woods, shooting the scene. At like, it's like, 3 a.m. But in a weird uh, way, like that's like how it happens. So it's, you know, it's like true to the story, right? I mean, it's like it all kind of unfolded yeah. in one shot, at least the the, the posse event, sure, if you yeah. will. So, it's, you know, it's yeah. it's cool in that sense. It is. But it I know what you mean. Like, where it's like, yeah, later you're like, oh shit, I could have done this earlier, and blah blah blah. And, yeah. You know. We didn't have to the, be so cold the, and miserable. Yeah, it was it was a right, exactly, it was yeah. a great it was a it was a great experience though. Like I I'm still like I'm still really I hate to use the word humbled because I think people misuse that word so often, but I I think I was I was very humbled by uh the the amount of like work that went into making that one sequence, you know. Yeah. We got to spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens! What kind of radio show is this? Now let's talk about this UFO thing, because you know I'm a big UFO guy. So, what is the on the trail of? This is like the YouTube series. So, I thought you had like a YouTube series. I may be mistaken. uh, There's a YouTube series called Case Files. That's like um, shorter. It's like eight minutes. Well, we did put we put on the trail of Champ and on the trail of Bigfoot on YouTube, so they're both available on YouTube, so you're kind of right there, too. But um, On the Trail of is just like an episodic uh, miniseries format show that's been going on t- since 2017. Um, kind of like interspersed between the, the movies and kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's what it is is basically like there's one – it's a miniseries that focuses on one phenomenon. So where our movies are focused on like one case or whatever, this is much broader. It takes a look at an entire phenomenon. So it started with Champ, and then it went to Bigfoot. Uh, and with On the Trail of UFOs, it's obviously going to cover the UFO sub, uh, subject. Now, what made um, you dive into UFOs? Uh, you know, because it, it's a whole different world. I you're gonna meet I mean, all kinds of new people. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like if you go, I mean, if you go through our movies since Mothman, we've been dabbling in the UFO subject as much as we have cryptids. Like, there's that's true. You know, like that's we, true. We, I was surprised. We, I remember seeing the Mothman movie and the uh, the injured cold stuff was like, I was like, oh wow, they included a lot of that stuff. And that's sort of yeah, UFO-y there were a lot of like UFOs. Related. And then there's Flatwoods. We made the Flatwoods monster movie, an invasion on Chestnut oh, exactly, Ridge, yeah. and then. You know, like um, even Bray Road Beast got into UFOs a little bit, and then um, the uh, Momo gets into the UFO sightings that were going on around. So, like, I don't – I've always been interested, and, and funnily enough, this, like, circles back to you, but um, when I worked in medical billing, I got into the UFO subject before I got into uh, cryptids, and a lot of that was – because I was listening to podcasts. So I listened to uh, your, I, I listened to been all of America. I used to listen to radio Mysterioso. Um, 
a lot of the like UFO stuff. That was where, that was where I started with all this. Yeah. Um, so when that's cool. So 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 for me, this was like almost like full circle. Like I was coming back to to the subject I was interested in in the first place. So and we can delve back into some of these areas that we've been to before. So like we went and we interviewed Stan Gordon, you know, on the Chestnut Ridge about some of the UFO sightings in the state of Pennsylvania, and uh, we haven't done anything in West Virginia yet. But I'm not completely convinced we won't be. You know, hitting up like the Flatwoods area as well. But um, basically, it's going to be like an eight-episode look at the UFO subject. Um, yeah. And all I can tell you is, it is. Um, I've got a rough cut of episode one done, and about eighteen minutes of the rough cut of episode two done. It's going to be probably anywhere from eight to ten episodes long, and each episode will run about thirty to thirty-five minutes. And right. um, so when it yeah, when it's all done, it'll be the longest thing, you know, the biggest thing we've ever done. But it's not, it's not, um, On the Trail of Bigfoot is sort of chronological. It opens with like, you know, the old historical accounts, and then it brings you up to present day. And then it has like three episodes that are sort of focused on present day research. This isn't going to be that at all. It's going to intersperse the history um, throughout. So it's not going to be like a look at the history of the UFO subject necessarily. Um but it is very much a response to where where we are today with ufology. So it opens – the first episode is called Where We Stand, and it opens with sort of a recap of all the um, – you know, the David Fravor, Tic Tac, UFO, Tom DeLong Oh, boy, stuff, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, as being told – yeah, as being told by um, – a bunch of, of the sort of like UFO researchers and investigators. And we're going to interview Greg Bishop um, and a couple other people in the next couple weeks as well. So I'm hoping we can get some commentary on that stuff from them as well. Cause right now everything that's in that first episode is super positive in favor of like the long <laughs> and TTSA. And I really want to have some like, you know, some dissenting opinions from that. So um, right. It's, it, it, the the best thing I think I tweeted this actually the best thing about SDM is we can we can make changes to an SDM production up to the minute before we're going to release it right not literally the yeah, minute yeah. before but we can we can make right. changes late into the game day or two so so our plan is to make this a response to up you know as close as we can get to the time of release a response to what is going on in ufology today. Like that is that is our goal, and then also be a really concise look at the entire phenomenon. You know, like as as concise as we can get it with with the budget we're working, we're working on. Um, we've traveled from coast to coast. We started filming in Arizona and Nevada, um, and then we went to Florida, um, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, we interviewed Micah Hanks down in, in North Carolina about the Brown Mountain Lights, and then we came up to uh, Pennsylvania and did the Chestnut Ridge, and then we went to the uh, to New York City, and we interviewed uh, Ryan Sprague, and then we went to the Hudson Valley uh, in New York and shot a couple interviews there, and then we did the um, Exeter You didn't find UFO. Phil Brogno, did you? No, no, I didn't. No, I <laughs> wanted to interview Tim- Timothy Beckley too. I really wanted to interview Beckley, but we didn't get around to that either. Um, but I mean, dude, this is like in terms of an, uh, one of our productions, it's massive. But in terms of a UFO 
um, a look at the subject of UFOs. I it, it in you know just where I'm standing right now, it it sort of uh, stands apart from anything I've seen as as far as being a a, a really concise look at the entire subject as it stands today and what brought us to where we are today as well like the episode i'm editing right now is all about um the the changing face of ufos themselves so it starts with like the airship waves in the 1900s and it comes up to where we are today with sort of essentially tic tacs and floating lights in the sky and the phoenix lights incident and all that kind of stuff i mean like it is it's a really um I'm I'm super excited, especially about this first episode. Like I really want to get there's there's one interview we're waiting to get locked down for sure, but um hopefully we're gonna have a really cool series of, of people talking about, you know, the UFO subject in it. And and we're actually going to Adam Wingard who directed who's directing that Kong versus Godzilla movie, we're shooting an interview with him when we're in Los Angeles in a couple of weeks. And he's actually going, cause he had a sighting. He actually had a really interesting UFO sighting out at Joshua tree a few years ago. Oh, so he's actually supposed to be in on the trail of UFOs, but it's, it's going to be, huge. Nice. it's going to be a big, it sounds like an ambitious long, project. It's, it's, yeah, I would, I would put it probably four, four or five hours, probably five hours long. Um, yeah. Very, I'm super excited about it, and I'm I'm really excited about the footage we've shot for it, and and all the work that you know, like we've done as far as like actual travel time, putting in the legwork to go to all these places, and then getting footage. Yeah, there. it's been really cool. Like we we went to the actual like Betty and Barney Hill location, and and stayed out. Yeah, I saw your thing on social media, like two yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, it was super cool. It's uh yeah, yeah I've never been up to I've never been up to like the actual site or the gas station. The gas station is really like the <laughs> you went to the gas station I think yeah. right yeah I think you saw the pictures of that yeah. yeah we we went there the guy the guy there wasn't thrilled with us I don't think he could speak English too well but he wasn't thrilled that we were there so it was whatever he wasn't thrilled that you were there at the gas station no he didn't he didn't seem to love the fact that we were trying to take video out front, so we didn't we didn't do a ton of filming there. We kind of shot the, very weird the little like yeah they we we shot the little mural like you're gonna buy some front, gas so, or what guy huh <laughs> yeah, it's funny too. we spent we we spent like a hundred and twenty dollars there actually because like that was our grocery stop for the for the, like two days that we were in Franconia notch that was like where we we bought all our groceries was that gas station. Oh my God! He's like, quit filming in here, boys. Oh God, I'd like to meet yeah. this guy. She's... <laughs> See, that's why. That's why uh, I make a completely different movie. I'd be like, we need to stop everything right now and start talking to this guy. We need to find out everything sure. about him. How'd you end up at this gas yeah. station, sir? Oh my God! We should touch base about ideas. I have crazy ideas for uh, for uh, movies and shows and shit. So, <laughs> but <laughs> real, real wild ones. But anyway. Uh, so that's interesting. So where do you – I almost don't even want to get into, like, the state of ufology right now. It's an interesting – it's very tumultuous. Let's just put it that way. It's an interesting, tumultuous the, the, time uh, for all this. The, the, there's a really um, – there's a monologue at the beginning of episode one that sort of sets up where the field seems to be today. And keep in mind, like, I'm obviously not an insider 
when it comes to ufology. Right, exactly. I don't, you know, like I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm. I'm uh, in the same boat. I'm, I don't I'm really. Not. I can, I like UFOs. I like ufology. <laughs> I like some. Mm-hmm. I like people in ufology. I won't. Even, I won't even yeah. add anything. Add them to the beginning of that. I, I like people in ufology. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not in ufology. I'm not a. I'm not a UFO researcher or, or part of UFO world as I call it. Because mm-hmm. to me, it's like. I can't get into the daily grind of of, of arguing over the minutia of um That's of what's thing. going on it's right now. I thought I thought the uh, like the the cryptid community was fractured, and then I like I started sort of looking at the the ufological community on like Twitter, and I realized like. I mean that's a that's a circus. Like uh, that's a, that's yeah. another level of. Of daily, like daily, you've got to be at everyone else's throats, like defending your <laughs> yes, opinion and going after the daily the, grind, the, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, and and in a way, like that's what the the monologue at the beginning of uh, of episode one sort of paints the UFO community as a a microcosm of the world today. Like, if you look at the United States of America and where we are as a people, it's 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 that. Like, like the way the UFO yeah, community right. goes at each other every day. It's just a, everyone's got to be so entrenched in their own opinions and everyone's after everyone else for, for their, you know, belief system. And that's where, I mean, the, the opening monologue pretty much paints the, the UFO community as a, a, a version of where we are as a country today. So. That's for sure. That's a, an apt description. I haven't, I've, I've likened some aspects of it, but you're absolutely right. Um, well, it's interesting. I think you can speak to this without sort of, uh, like I said, I, I'm not in the trenches of this thing every day, but I see it enough to know that what upsets me, I guess, or sort of makes me uneasy is that there's like, and I mean, I always kind of saw this in ufology, like in some pockets, but now it's like the predominant thing where it's like, there's just so much fucking anger. There's like, just, mm-hmm. there's just so much anger, like on both yeah. sides of, of this, this, I guess, this TTSA divide GTSA, that's going on. Yeah. And like, I used to really mm-hmm. be negative on the TTSA super fans, and I, I still find them kind of insufferable, but I'll, I'll be the first to admit that uh, the TTSA critics are... <laughs> Are just as insufferable nowadays as as the TTSA pushers. It's like, boys, sure. boys, just for fucking relax. Can can y'all yeah. stop screaming at each other on fucking Twitter for one day and and go, you know, go see a movie, go go go, go to the local county fair or something, and stop stop arguing about this shit. Why are you so mad? Why are you all so mad yeah. about this? If anything, it's like this is the most publicity that UFOs have gotten in ages. It's the most exciting time to be a UFO fan, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the last – I remember like when I started this show, it was – UFOs were like in the doldrums. Nobody cared about UFOs. Yeah. You know, yeah. now it's like it's yeah, the hottest no, thing mean, going today. It's a, it's a, yeah, that's a, it's a national news topic. You know, but it it, right. it definitely comes with it definitely comes with some drawbacks. But no, you're right. Like that, that's been my, uh, you know, as an outsider to the whole thing and kind of looking from the outside in. Like, I just I don't get it. Like, I I can't imagine waking up every day and and the subject that you are invested in or interested in or 
you know, like whatever. And I called it, you know, I, I called the when I talked about the paranormal fandom earlier. I mean, that that's a blanket statement that includes ufology. Like, that's you know, that's not to say that's not an insult to the people who are genuinely involved in like trying to to investigate the subject or anything like that. But right, you know, like man, like have some fun with it. Otherwise, what's the point? Like if you're if you're entire days wrapped up in going on Twitter and blasting people and you know like sending angry emails to to people over their opinions you might you might want to consider a new hobby you know like yeah the truth the truth is probably not going to be filtered through you honestly <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah it's like is it this isn't worth getting so angry about you know I always like yeah. laugh about it like yeah. it's just fucking aliens dude relax relax yeah you know, yeah. and what strikes me as interesting is like the the stuff has gotten a lot of mainstream attention, but it seems like nobody it didn't hasn't moved the needle as far as like it's really a remarkable thing to see, and this isn't a, a judgment on any on anyone's work or anything. It's more just like an observation where it's like there's these what seem to be pretty healthy breakthroughs as far as sort of like getting credibility cast upon ufos but people just people who aren't involved in all this they just absorb it and go on with their lives like they don't have there's some kind of cognitive disconnect where it's like people i'm talking about the the, the sheeple as <laughs> as many in our sure. community so lovingly call them the sheeple yeah. don't care they just don't they don't seem to care about UFOs, it's it's very strange in a way. It's like, wow, this is... It's strange, man. You know? Is it real, like, is it really no, it's that, under, totally understandable. It's totally understandable. Like, like, like I, I'm surrounded... It's funny, like, I'm surrounded by people who aren't invested in this stuff. Like, even, even the crew, like, most of the STM crew, you know, are, are friends of mine, guys that I grew up with, you know, who are just... They, they want to make movies. Like, they're interested in making movies. And, um... You know, like they they take in the information that's that's given on these shoots and stuff, and they're you know like they take it in and they consider it, but it doesn't. You know, they're they're too worried about you know how their 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 family's health is and all that kind of. Not right, everyone right. is us. You know, like it, we, there's there's something about you and I where we're hardwired differently to to really like see the intricacies of of these subjects where other people just are, yeah. Oh, so aliens, aliens might be real. Okay, cool. Like, what are we doing for dinner? You know, like... <laughs> exactly, like you and exactly. I are, are going to go off down another path with that, but, but you know, like, I think it's it's interesting, like, what is it about people like you and I that drives us to continue, I guess, like, staying on the path that other people just get off of, you know, after a couple couple minutes? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I think when you first get into it, it's like an, it becomes like an obsession at first, like mm -hmm. yeah. where you have to consume as much of this as you possibly. It's something it, it like ticks some kind of box in your mind or something, you know, where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, this is interesting that other people, you know, to other people it's like sports or it's like uh, yes. you know reality TV or something like that. You know, it's crazy. The people who are passionate about all that stuff, where it's like, how can you care so much about The Bachelor? It's like, oh, you're fucking. You know, dealing with all these UFOs and Bigfoot all the time. So, you know, what's that all about? 
Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. People have a lot to worry about, and I don't want to – people get all upset if you, like, get into, like, identity politics and shit. But, like, I mean, let's be honest. We're, like, middle-aged white guys. We got, we really don't have much to to worry about in the grand scheme. No one's really, like, trying to oppress us. So, yeah. so we don't we don't have to worry about, like, being shot by the cops or, you know, being beat up or something. For who we are, sure. we're just we're just like middle-aged white guys. <laughs> so we have yeah. we have the luxury to be able to talk about Bigfoot and UFOs and ponder these mysteries. You know, I've always sure kind of considered that. Where it's like, well, how come so few people care about this? It's like because they're they have real shit to worry about. You know, they have real shit to worry about. Yeah. They don't they don't have time to consider if aliens are coming here. Yeah, that's uh, true. It's uh, it's crazy. It goes back to how, how lucky we are to be a part of this crazy field. Well, it's interesting. Um, I'm kind of dragging you along here. Do you have, like, a set out time? Because, I mean, I'll probably go, like, another 20 minutes or so if you don't mind. Oh, no, I'm good, man. Whatever. All right, all right cool. Sorry, I'm man. Long, I'm a long Again, that was life. another one of those little details I remembered where I'm like, oh, I didn't tell him how long, <laughs> how long this would be. I should, I should really get better at podcasting after all these years. Um it's an it's interesting a lot of work, dude. You, you talk, I've, I've been doing it for for five, six years, something like that now. And and you know, like I took a year off between Sasquatch and the new show we're doing now. And when I went back to it, I forgot how much time commitment podcasting genuinely takes. Like it takes a lot of commitment. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's uh you forget about all the little details and all the little work you gotta do and shit. Um that yeah catch you by surprise when all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, I got to do this, that, and that thing, and I got to do this thing, too. And it's like, oh, shit. I thought I could just, like, pick yeah. up my phone and start broadcasting. Um, well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, you're kind of – you say you kind of – I wouldn't say grew up listening to Banal America, but you came in listening to Banal America, so you can kind of understand this in a sense where you're talking about earlier about how it's like, how do we get here to where we are today? And it's interesting – I thought you were saying that about the UFO field. I think mm-hmm. the paranormal in general, we're in this weird, like transition phase. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the sort of fracturing and infighting and and sort of contentiousness in ufology, and even uh, I don't really follow the, as much of the contentiousness in the other fields, but it certainly seems to be there. Is in, in part like because we're in this transition phase. Like I was talking about this at the end of the special episode we did previewing the Strange Realities Conference, where it was like I was talking about coming back with the show, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like adrift because we built the show, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying before about like see how this thing evolves over time. Like I never planned to build this show around Stan Friedman and Jim Mars. But it's like we yeah. did. We we ended up. They ended up becoming like the the foundation of the whole show, and then they yeah. fucking died. <laughs> and it was yeah, like, I was both oh my god! I, like those two guys, the, the loss of those two guys and Brad Steiger too, like shattered me. Where it was like, how do, <laughs> like, how do I even do this anymore? What is, what do I even do? <laughs> like mm-hmm. these guys were so. But I think, and then you add in all the other people we've lost. Just in the last like three years, it's staggering. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, Art Bar, uh, Art, Art, Art Bell. Um, there's a whole bunch. I'm 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 at a loss. I didn't like write, 
didn't like write these down. You know, Jim and Stan. Um, you know, even like our Gary Patterson died. He was like the big time music conspiracies guy. Um, there's just been a whole lot of people who died like in the last three or so years, and it's like really the old guard is like slipping away. You know, to me it was like when Stan died, it was like that's kind of the end of the ufology as we knew it. Like we're mm-hmm. in a whole new world now, where mm-hmm. there's sort of people that were always sort of like understand as far like below Stan as far as like they were like stars, but they weren't like Stan, and mm-hmm. like he was the one and only. So, so it's like all of a sudden it's this, this vacuum of of an iconic figure in a way. And the same kind of goes like with Jim, like Brad Steiger. I mean, again, like Rosemary on Guy. These people were so prolific. Too that it was like holy I'll shit. Something, something too about something too about Jim and and Stan that Stanton. Um, you know, like they they quit. It's it's interesting. I feel like their their breed is is gone. We we won't see guys that question things for the right reasons to the extent that guys like that did especially Stan, Stanton in, in within the the ufological realm right because like Stanton questioned things and he did it because he was genuinely trying to get at the truth of what happened and like he questioned right. um, Lazar uh, you know just to pull the, the most obvious example like he questioned Lazar because he he genuinely wanted to know what was what was going on there, and he had real concerns about what was going on there. I don't think Stanton ever questioned Lazar or got into arguments with, like, Jeremy Corbell because he was trying to make a name for himself. You know, like exactly, he, he, right. First right. of all, he'd already, he'd already made a name for himself. And I feel like there's... <laughs> yeah. that's an, I feel like that's an important distinction um, that you might not see going forward because now you're you're living in a world where where Lazar is is accepted and Corbell is some sort of ufological messiah and those guys are going to you know like anyone that comes forward and tries to question them is is probably going to do it with a lot of pomp and circumstance and try to make themselves out to be you know like the the guy like I'm going at him um whereas yeah. Stanton I think Stanton was here asking questions for for the right reasons like he he always seemed to have the right reasons. Right, exactly. It's kind of like how you said about how this finds us. It's like he didn't he didn't set out to become like the the icon of ufology. He just was like interested mm-hmm. in this and saw that there was interest from other people in this and kind of kept doing it. And he quit yeah. being a nuclear scientist cuz there weren't any jobs anymore. So yeah. It was like he didn't set out to become UFO famous. It was like thrust upon him. Thankfully, he was like well equipped for the job. <laughs> so he yeah, was, I mean, he was like about, the perfect guy for the game. This is why I think it's really important to treasure the the people like that that are that are still with us while they're still with us. You know, like there there were some. Um, man, I I do not want this to become. There were some things that happened toward the end of Stanton's life that that I was, uh, as an outsider, again, I realize I'm an outsider to, to ufology, yeah. but there, there was some things that happened toward the I, – I felt like he was treated disrespectfully on a on a fairly I, large stage a couple of times by a certain – You're talking about the debate uh, thing? 
Yeah, the debate and even what was said about him on on it publicly in some other places by Corbell and some geez, I just called him out. But you know what I mean? Like there, there were some things that were. No, no, I thought it was faceless. Of... I, I'll say it. I mean, you know, I I would say it to him. I thought, you know, I mean, you can disagree with like someone not trying like, uh, you know, show them up in a rude way or something. The guy's like 80. The guy was 80. Sure. You know, he devoted his whole life yeah. to this subject. He should be treated with respect. You know, even if you disagree with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I really hope we uh, – I hope people understand, like, that, that, that people like that, you know, like they're, they're – man, they're they're here and then they're gone. And someday you're going to realize, like, the, the impact they had on – on the subjects in general, and uh, you know, like I think of someone like Lauren Coleman in cryptozoology. You know, like you exactly, gotta, yeah, Lauren's. I didn't even want to say it because Lauren's so, no pun intended, like, <laughs> like cryptic, where it's like he's all about like uh, symbolism and shit. I'm like, don't say anything about. <laughs> I'm like thinking yeah. myself, like, don't say anything about Lauren because then, then he might think we inadvertently cursed him. But yeah, no, we have to celebrate guys like Lauren. You know. It's like he's kind of sure. like one of the last few of that generation that are left, you know, who who yeah. Who are who I guess it's like when you think about it really it's like the people who've been in this for like decades, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there aren't too many people around anymore who've been at this for like half a century, which is what Stan did yeah. and what uh what Lauren's done, you know. Yeah. Truly and, like and, just you know, a, like, awe-inspiring. Yeah. And I like it's it's actually genuinely like one of the great uh, I guess disappointments that I did not get to meet someone like Stanton because I'm you know, like now that I'm doing something in in the UFO realm or the UFO subject like it's it's uh, it's interesting to see his fingerprints all over everything you know like as I'm yeah, as I'm yeah. kind of going through this and I'm not really you know like I'm not hearing a lot about him I think Micah Hanks actually talked about him the most um and it's funny cuz all we interviewed Micah about was the brown mountain lights but um you know like he's he's just he's kind of everywhere you know like I look at every case even something like the Flatwoods case you know where he was connected to it through Frank Fraschino like like um he's just he's he's on his imprint is is left on all aspects of the of the subject, and without him, you know, like I mean, that's one of the that that'll be one of the downsides on the trail of UFOs. You won't have him in there, you know, in in any capacity. He's not going to be a part of it because he's no longer with us. Um, yeah. So that's a you know, like, and you're going to run into that, you know, in in every subject in time. Obviously, uh, time is the the biggest enemy. Will Encounter, yeah, but Father Time, undefeated. It's a, yeah, it's a shame. Well, it's yeah, and it's interesting, like you said. Uh, yeah, I always kind of marvel at that, like how deeply his fingerprints are into all this stuff. You know, it's like you could. I remember even marveling about this to him when we when I interviewed him one time. I think where it's like you could walk down the street in like any, probably any street in like anywhere, and be like, ask somebody what Roswell is, and they would like connect it to aliens. Like that's Stan, dude. That like that wouldn't have, that would not have happened if not for Stan. You know, he like impacted the culture in such a, a profound way. Like there's a CW show about teenagers in love and Roswell, and one of them's an alien or something. It's like that, <laughs> you can trace that TV show back 
to Stan being the the advocate for this story and shit. It's un it's unbelievable, you know. And the other things like where people always seem to disagree with him, and I'm going to kind of explore this, I'm sure, later on in the holiday season. But uh, like with the MJ12 thing, seems like everybody who's really deep into this is like, oh, it's all bullshit. But he was like a super proponent of it. Um, but be that as it may, regardless, it's like the whole idea of this like secret cabal of government insiders overseeing the UFO thing. He he kind of like had a huge part in that becoming a part of the zeitgeist and also the Betty and Barney Hill thing, you know? Yeah. He was a big proponent of that. So it's like, wow, he was really – he influenced the UFO culture more than just about anybody, it seems. Yeah, it seems like, you know, like in – we're talking about this, and I completely left him off the, the radar, but Stan Gordon, who's, you know, based in, in Pennsylvania, I don't think – you know, Stan's a fairly well-known name in that geographical area, but outside of the state of Pennsylvania, I don't know that people know much about Stan Gordon or know anything about Stan Gordon. But, like, the guy's been investigating UFOs since the 60s. You know, like, he was 12 oh, years wow. old when he got into to UFOs. And, um, you know, like, we've, we've featured him now in three of our – honestly, at this point, he's been in more STM productions than anyone. Um, he's been in – uh, he was in Invasion on Chestnut Ridge. He showed up in like two episodes of Case Files. He was in uh, On the Trail of Bigfoot. Now he's going to be in On the Trail of UFOs. But he's one of those like old guard, you know, like UFO guys. But it, it's di- he's different from Stanton in that um, he's he's pretty much just relegated to that you know that Pennsylvania area. That's where he's been investigating right, his right. whole life. But he's like one of those old guard guys that I. Like any chance to talk to him and put him on camera talking about the cases he's investigated over the years, I'll I'll take that opportunity. Yeah, but you got to treasure those those guys. Yeah, absolutely. That was kind of the whole one of the big driving forces of the show. Over time, it kind of became where it was like uh, when we first launched, it was like, holy shit, we have like Jim Mars and Stan Freeman. It's like, I kind of just so much appreciated that they would even do this rinky ding program that it was like, you guys are what influenced me to get involved in all this. So thank you. And mm-hmm. I want to celebrate you all like as much as I can, you know, and Brad Steiger yeah. too. Um, yeah. you know, and we got to celebrate those guys. Yeah. Cause you never know. We're all getting older and shit and we're in the midst of a weird changing of the guard. And like you said, I think you're right in a lot of ways where, the people, it's a generational thing where, like, the people who are in it now came in it when it was already established, and the people we're losing are the ones who kind of established a lot of this in the first place, you know? So, right. and, and the motives, and this is not a knock on, obviously, this isn't going to be a knock on anyone. It's just the, the facts of the world we live in. The motives are going to change, too. Um, like, you're yeah. going to have to, the, the younger guard is going to have to, they're going to have to do certain things if they want to get you know, like the, the the guys that are quote unquote journalists are are going to have to be friends with the right people if they want to interview the right people to get the right quotes that they need to get for the stories they're writing about UFOs. Right, right. I don't know if that statement makes any sense, but I, I, I it see, makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see a lot of uh, yeah. I, I guys like Stanton I liked because their interest wasn't in. Um, making friends, 
<laughs> you know what I right, mean? Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Not, not that they weren't not that they weren't friendly guys, but they weren't they weren't. Oh no, no, they, they had lots they of friends. Yeah. Sure, sure, yeah, but they, they, you know, they, they weren't afraid to ask tough questions and and get down in the trenches and and get into ver- verbal spats. If step on toes. To, yeah, step on some toes. Um, it's it's like the it's like the difference between the old NBA and the new NBA, right? Like the 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 give give me you know as a '90s '80s '90s kid, give me like the '80s and '90s NBA over today's NBA any day because back then guys were elbowing each other in the face to go for a rebound. You know, like that's how that's how I feel about like ufology and cryptozoology now. Boy, I sound like an old man right now, like grumpy old man. No, no, no. You're talking. <laughs> I've slowly transformed from like wide-eyed neophyte like 15 years ago to to crusty old man in this field myself. So it's uh, you know, you know, it's like you, you build a certain scar tissue when you've been around for this long, and you don't. At some point, like. The basic answers to the questions that got you into this no longer are so far beyond what you're interested in that sure. you kind of become cynical in a sense. Because I see mm-hmm. people who get into this now, they've kind of only been in it for like a year or so, year or two, maybe three years, and they have this like sense of wonder that I find, that I find like almost repellent, where I'm just mm-hmm. like yeah, – you don't know what, you know. Yeah, you, you dude, stick around. It's gonna get worse. <laughs> like, like you're not yeah. gonna find out what this thing is, and all of your questions are gonna multiply exponentially. So it is, it is hilarious yourself. you would say that though, because For a ride. The, the the entire the the entire idea behind on on the trail of UFOs kind of pushes back against what she said because there's there's literally like. The thing I noticed about ufology is, um, or, or no, not you know what? Throw out that word. It's not UFO uf, ufology. It's UFOs in general. So, so yeah. I got, I what what drew me to UFOs, and I think what drew someone like um, maybe Kenneth Arnold, or like the early, you know, like the the first guy to see a, what we call a flying saucer, right? Like, the, what right. what would have kept someone like that? invested in the field invested in the idea of ufos is a sense of wonder and it's it's literally like that you you use that term and that's what the term is that keeps coming back in on the trail of ufos and that's gone like to me that's gone now everyone's obsessed with like Tom DeLong and Navy pilots and and like what's the craft? Where can we find the blueprints for the craft? If the craft's a government object, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the the idea of what people found fascinating about UFOs in the first place has kind of been it's kind of obsolete now. Like there is no sense of there's no looking up at the the sky. Right. It's it's a bunch of people fighting over you know like what the what they're personal opinions are on what the UFOs are. You know, like there's no there is no looking up to the sky, which is what everyone this this is what the pioneers of the subject did to begin with. That's what got them into it. It wasn't like it's the idea that there could be other life out there, right? Or other life visiting us. Or yeah. are we alone or whatever whatever it is. It's almost like the it's almost like the, the that space race kind of idea. And I don't know if that's just because yeah. you know the time the timelines slightly intersect. 
you know, in that, in that you have the space race happening, you know, in the, the 50s and 60s and, and ufology sort of coming into its own around that same time period. But, but it's almost the same thing, you know, like at one time we were, we were losing our minds at, at the opportunity to, to go to space and to be the first ones on the moon. And, you know, like the, the future was full of hope and, and all that kind of stuff. And now we're all, you know, like the, that we're shutting NASA down and we're, we're not going yeah. to the moon anymore and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm, again, I'm just yeah. No, I think I right I, I see exactly where you're going in a sense because to me, I agree. Like, there's, it's a different sense of wonder. It's sort of like they're all ginned up on on sort of like I said, the minutia of a lot of this. I think that's kind of part of yeah. my critique with uh, yeah. where all this has gone, because mm-hmm. like from an outside perspective, it's like they're so far away from what I imagine UFOs to be that I don't quite understand what they're researching anymore. Um, they're, they're, it's gone from, like, UFO research to TTSA research, where, like I said, they're, they're arguing over the minutiae of, like, paperwork that one person, you know, here's a, here's a document that I have that, you know, constitutes this, and it's like, well, here's 12 other documents that show that this, this, this is like, there's questions about this. And it's like, what, what does this have to do with and, and, like and, little you know, green men that, and like aliens and shit that, and like, the, the phenomenon, the weirdness of the phenomenon? Like, that's, that's you know, so, it's like so much time has been spent on this one video. It's like, you know, come on. That's what's, so great. <laughs> that's what's so great about guys like Stan Gordon, though. Like, like Stan or, or Linda Zimmerman, who we interviewed in, in upstate New York, who's been researching in the in the Hudson Valley. Like like that's what's so great about those people. They're they're really not invested or even really that aware of TTSA. You know, you know, all they're doing is they have like Stan has a freaking hotline set up. People call right, right. and re- report their UFO sighting. And that's all Stan cares about. You know, like he's focused on the you know, he's in Pennsylvania, he's on the Chestnut Ridge area, but he's taking reports from around the state of Pennsylvania and that's like that's his focus. And you you ask him a question about like TTSA, and he's like, he's oblivious because that's so far removed right. from what got him into all of this. And what got him into this was the idea that there could be something else visiting us. And that's what he's, yeah, that's why he takes the reports. That's what keeps him going. It has nothing to do with the the minute, you know, amount of celebrity you can glean from being a UFO researcher or any of that stuff. It's just about a love <laughs> yeah. for the subject. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's commendable, dude. That's for sure. And I think I am probably skewed in a sense because, like you were talking about before, it's like not I don't participate in the daily in the daily guerrilla war going on online, but I see it. Yeah. And it's like it it's probably I'm, I'm sure my perspective is skewed in the sense where it's like there's really and I, I, I I'm, I'm cognizant of it in a sense where it's mm-hmm. like there's really maybe like just two dozen people who give a fuck about all this like and are fighting yeah. online so you yeah. know it's they think there's these world shattering consequences but it's like you're the only two dozen people who care so yeah. like I don't know necessarily if if this is world shattering or not. Um, you know, I just see it all the time because that just happens to be the people I follow and shit. It's like, oh no, this is <laughs> again. Why y'all so mad? Yep. But we'll see. You know, it's fun to watch in a sense, as long as you don't get hit, hit by any uh, any debris coming. You know, any any flashback or whatever uh, 
from people uh, watching these fights. But sure, wow, why, why they care so passionately about all this stuff? I don't have any idea. You know, it's just <laughs> you had to compartmentalize this this stuff. You know, you got a kid and everything, so you yeah. kind of you get that. You can't really. Um, I don't you know. have the time, man. I can't. I don't have the I don't have the time or energy. My once I once I'm home for the night, my my release anymore. Like my my downtime isn't spent on anything paranormal. paranormal. It's like I, I yeah, watch I watch way. football. I watch I watch basketball and and I play like I play video games a little bit and and I watch movies like and that's that's it. Like that's my if I if I can get some downtime, that's what it is. But you know, like I mean, I. The fact is, like, I don't get a lot of downtime. We went on a family vacation to Disney World, and in the, at, at the very end of the family vacation, before it was even over, Shannon LeGrove flew into Orlando, and we had to pick her up and start filming a, a series on our way back from Disney World. Like, that's how my life works. Like, I've, yeah. a family vacation is, is has a, you know, a shoot sort of tacked on to the end of it. So yeah. downtime doesn't exist, especially when you have a two-year-old. Exactly, yeah. Well, it's cool though. I mean, I I don't know how you do all the other movies, but I assume like you kind of all travel together and shit. I mean, when I saw you in Portland, your wife and your son were there and everything. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome. Yeah. If you were working in a cubicle every day, you wouldn't have that kind of you wouldn't awesome. I wouldn't see him. Experience. I mean, even I have a I have an office, you know, downtown now, so I, I don't work out of the house like I did when he was first born. I worked here for his first like year and a half. Um, yeah. which was great, but you know, like it, 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 the, the fact was like our, our house is small and it was getting to the point where the, the business had kind of outgrown it. So like I have an yeah. office downtown, I'm just like two minutes away from the house. So if I want to, I can come home and see him. And, um, yeah, like they can travel with me if it's, if it's, if they're able to, they can travel. And if not, you know, like, it's like one of those things where, I'll make up for it as soon as I get home because we'll all be stuck together for like a week or something, you know, doing something else. So if, as he gets older, like my, my goal is to drag him around on the road with me. Like my parents did, you know, when I was a kid, they, they owned a bookstore and they used to drag me to book shows on the weekend. So that, that's probably a few years at least of his childhood will be spent traveling with dad doing shoots. Nice. That's a good dad move, dude. That's a good dad move. Um, what's interesting to me, I'm interested in seeing this UFO series. Uh, what's interesting to me, I'll segue this into a question, then we'll head toward the end, um, is that I've kind of, in the last few years, thanks to this sort of weird gathering we have of paranormal friends uh, called Paramania, I've kind of had this weird, like, um, paranormal bucket list situation where it's like I kind of want to see all these places mm-hmm. and go visit all these different like landmark sites and that's kind of what I, I really envy you in a lot of ways because you get to do that you know you get to go to mm-hmm. a lot of these places and be on the ground like you said on the hill where the Momo case unfolded where the posse was going and everything and mm-hmm. you know Flatwoods you've been all over there and everything uh, you know mm-hmm. up to Betty and Barney Hill you know I don't need to keep listening to them you, you kind of know what I'm saying um, mm-hmm. And that's what I've been doing, you know, just on my own in a personal thing. I'm not, thankfully, none of it was filmed because some of these, some of that shit wouldn't be, <laughs> that wouldn't be safe for the internet. But yeah. you know, visiting like Dealey Plaza and the Aurora uh, Alien Grave and everything. 
So we had the opportunity last weekend, but they, the boys in Nashville nixed it um, mm-hmm. because it was like a half hour away. But I see that you're doing a Bell Witch episode, a show, a movie or something down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, is that just sort of in the germination stage? What do you know about this thing? Because I was like, should we go see this thing? It's pretty crazy. And the guys were like, it's like an hour drive and, you know, yeah. we want to take you down to the honky tonk yeah. where all the – and I'm like, all right, fuck it, let's do the honky tonk. That's the uh, Mark of the Bell Witches are like December release for next year, um, for 2020. Oh, so it's quite a ways so away. It is, but it's it's definitely in the pre-production phase uh, stages. I actually have a meeting on Friday with the um, Tennessee. So so something I learned in the making of the Bell Witch movie is that each state has a folklorist. Which I didn't realize there's like a state oh, wow. assigned folklorist. Um, so, so I actually have a meeting with the, the state folklorist for Tennessee on Friday, and fittingly, he's from Adams, so he's from where the Bell Witch uh, originated, oh, wow. and he's he's uh, friends with members of the family and all sorts of stuff. So he's going to be a great point of contact. So after that meeting, I will have a much better idea of what the movie is going to be. As of right now, it's one thing in my head, but it could very well go in a completely different direction once I have this meeting. Because it's like right, right. The, the Mothman the Mothman legacy movie that we're starting work on was originally supposed to be this sort of like uh, direct sequel to the Mothman of Point Pleasant. It was going to pick up immediately after the events of of 67 and kind of bring you up to present day and like tie in all these like UFO sightings and all this stuff. And right now, uh, the Mothman Legacy looks much more like a direct sequel to Terror in the Skies that is solely focused on Mothman sightings around Appalachia than it than it does like a a Mothman of Point Pleasant movie. Um, it's it's more about wing, winged cryptids, you know, around Appalachia with Point Pleasant as being being sort of our home base. Um, yeah. So so the the stories change like drastically once I talk to people. Everything's sort of steered by the people that we have in the movies. And so like right now, you know, like right now it looks like Bell Witch is going to be a lot of like authors and stuff talking about a historical case from from the 1800s. But the fact is that um this guy I'm going to speak to on Friday has modern uh some some new information that hasn't apparently been out. So I'll see what happens with that because it could it could be one of those things where I talk to this guy, I have a conversation, he puts me in touch with a couple of people, I talk to those people and the movie completely morphs into something else entirely. So right, right. all I know right now is it'll be out in December of next year and that we'll be filming it probably in the winter of 2020 and 2020 by the way is the five-year official five-year anniversary of small film monsters the the actual like the the actual date that we started filming minerva monster was september of 2014 so technically the five-year anniversary of the inception of small film monsters is sort of over but next year is the official like five-year anniversary of when our first movie was released so there's a lot like we're trying to do a lot next year and really make it a, a big year here's an idea it may be terrible so bear with me but maybe you should do mm-hmm. like an event where you do like a move a marathon then you culminate with the premiere of whatever the the newest movie is at the time do like an event we're actually 
we're we're gonna do something probably like that. We, there, there's this huge classic movie theater here in Ohio uh, in Canton called the Canton Palace Theater where we do screenings. And um, last year we had like 700 people come out to see on the trail of Bigfoot there, and um, it's just been, it's a really cool place, and they love doing STM events. So we're we're gonna do something there. And they've been trying to get me to do a small town monsters day there for a couple of years. So we're, we're probably going to try to plan something like that. There you go. Nice. And yeah. obligatory small town com is the website, right? Obviously. Yeah. Small yeah. And we're on like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that. Instagram. Stuff. You gotta do all that stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, man. Well, people can get the movies that way. Are they? How does it work on Amazon? You you buy them, or they are on the Prime thing? Um, a lot of them. Eh, let me think. Seven of them are free. Uh, seven of the movies are free on Prime, uh, and uh, both on the Trail of uh, series are free on Prime. And you can also, if you're on YouTube, you can watch uh, both on the Trail of series on YouTube. And then some of the movies are free through. Uh, 2B TV as well, which is through the distributor who who uh, distributes three of the movies, which I think are would be the uh, Boggy Creek Monster, the Mothman of Point Pleasant, and Invasion on Chestnut Ridge. Those are all free. I've never heard of Tubi. Tubi as well. Tubi. Yeah, it's like a it's, it's like YouTube but with commercials. There's like commercial breaks in between. Oh, there you so, go. But, yeah. Well, the so point being, uh, I guess, in a sense, is folks buy. Buy the movies. Like, if you get a chance, like, I guess, like he said, seven of them are, are free, but that means the three of them you can buy. So buy them, um, you know, and help help out this this operation because it's they're not like backed by some giant media corporation or anything. They're they're doing it out of their house, you know. How, apparently, an office downtown, but <laughs> but it's an independent group of people who uh, who love this stuff and wanted to create their own stuff, and now it's it's a uh, it's wildly successful, but it needs help always to to keep flourishing and everything. So, uh, I really, I'm really impressed with what you've done, man. Like, you're, uh, like I said, when I first talked to you a couple of years ago, I was like, this this is gonna blow up, and it blew up even bigger than I thought. So, I'm really, uh, I don't want to say I'm proud of you because that sounds like condescending or something, but I'm just, uh, I stand back and look in awe at what you've done. That is probably the best way to say it. I'm just like, holy shit, this guy. He's, you know, he's like he's he's like shot for the moon. He's made it like to Mars practically. He's uh, he's doing amazing. So uh, yeah, hats off. Appreciate bro. it, man. Awesome. Thank you. All right. On that note, I'll let you uh, I'll let you get some rest. So thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming on for the uh, premiere of the holiday season. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me, and and thanks for. Uh, for all you do, I hope you bring the show back regularly at some point. I know it's a ton of work though, so so don't. don't I know. Do actually, I meant to say this during the show uh, before I let you go. Yeah, that kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on to kick off all this was like when, the first thing you said when I saw you in Portland in April, you were like, "When are you bringing the show back?" And it was just like you were so mm-hmm. earnest about it, and you weren't like kissing my ass or anything. You like said it as someone who really wanted me to do it, and it was like it really, it, you know, I appreciated it. I was like, yeah. wow, thanks, man. You know, you didn't have to say that. You're like, you know, it really kind of was like, wow, I was kind of blown away. So when I was putting together a list of people to talk to for this holiday season, like you were the first on the list, man. So that's that's a awesome. God's honest truth. Yeah. All I right, brother. You. Have a good night. 
And yep. uh, hopefully our paths cross sooner rather than later. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Tonight. There you go, folks. That was Seth Breedlove. Small town monsters. It's amazing what he's done. I'm really blown away. Uh, it's just turned into such a, a franchise in a huge way. Um, just so impressed. And fun talking to him. I really enjoyed that. We kind of, I joked at the beginning that we were going to smash the fourth wall, and we really did. And uh, that's that's what I enjoy about doing this show is I can cut loose and talk a little bit about the sort of state of affairs uh, inside baseball stuff that you just might not get on other shows, I don't think. And on that note, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about what we're doing now going forward. The... Tonight is the season premiere, as I joked, of the Benalladay season. So we're kicking off a series of shows that will culminate at the beginning of 2020, probably with the New Year's special or whatever, New Year uh, year in review with Greg Bishop. I might tack one more on after that. We'll see uh, what happens there. And so, I don't know, I kind of worked it out. That's like 10 weeks or something like that. Uh if I was really ambitious, I'd say we're going to do 10 shows. Right now, I'm kind of, I would err on the side of caution and say that uh, we'll probably do like seven shows. I know for a fact uh, that I have two shows already scheduled with two guests that I'm dying to talk to who uh, I've kind of come across so far. Like a lot of people in the paranormal scene don't know these folks yet, um, but they're a lot like me. They have a really overarching. Uh, outsiders perspective on the paranormal and conspiracy world and um, really offer valuable insight into all this not unlike how Seth was tonight as someone who's not a part of these communities but has seen enough of them to understand sort of the dynamics of what's going on in them Uh, to me that's sort of the fascinating part of all this that has always kind of driven me and so we're going to get into that with a couple of really Big time, they're big time names outside of the paranormal and conspiracy world. So I'm excited about that as well. Uh, I may even have to, I didn't say this to say, I may have to try and upgrade this recording system uh, because I listen to some of these old shows and I'm like, oh, they really do sound like shit. So maybe it's time to finally, finally give up the phone and get. Get the microphone going, but I'm also, as all longtime listeners know, I'm also incredibly lazy. So there's a good chance that uh, you'll be hearing from me in a couple of weeks, and I will not uh, have changed a thing. With that in mind, uh, I know for sure we get a show in two weeks, same time Tuesday. Uh, what is it? The 12th, I guess, of uh, November. Two weeks from tonight, and uh, I know that for sure. Um, one of the challenges, I guess you could say, about doing it, doing this show with such a short burst is that uh, I'm really careful about who I talk to. Each one of these episodes has to be like a Fabergé egg. Um, it has to be – I can't just go, well, I need a guest, so I'm going to have this person on. It has to be it – it has to call to me. So I know who I want to have on <laughs> next week. But I gotta make a, I gotta make some calls and see if I can uh, get it to happen. But I would say dollars to donuts. We're probably gonna have a show next Tuesday night. I know for sure we'll have a show in two weeks. 
uh, and then it's just going to keep rolling along. For the people who've been asking me, I've already gotten at least three or four questions about this. Uh, there will be a Rucks giving. Um, I generally call Bruce the you know a few days after Halloween, so I'll probably call him up uh, this weekend and schedule that. But barring something in Bruce's life, which I would be unaware of, that might uh, prohibit him from doing the show, which has never happened in the past, uh, there will be a Ruck's giving. So uh, for those folks who've been worried about that, uh, rest assured it's going to happen. And uh, I'm kind of working on something for the holiday special. We'll see what We'll see what we do there, but there will be a holiday special in some form or fashion to sort of uh, say goodbye to Stan and wrap up uh, what will have been a 15-year odyssey of holiday specials. So I'll I'll get into all that as we go along. But for for now, essentially, I'm back. Uh, I'm back till 2020. So make room in your playlists, folks, because Banal of America is back with the holiday season. The holiday season. <laughs> uh, next week, like I said, probably will have a show. <laughs> I'm back, but I might not have a show next week. It's been all of America. Any- <laughs> anyway, on that note, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks to the folks in the chat room, Jim Vujovic, Vamp Elvis. Um, bring- bringing it, boy He didn't even say anything. He was just in and out. But thanks to the folks in the chat room, uh, and thanks to all the folks who listened live, and thanks to all the folks who are listening right now in podcast form. Until next time, this is Tim and all, thanking you for listening and signing off.